Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Friday, October 20th, 2023. And our top story today, more health systems are charging for e-visits. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Dr. A.J. Holmgren is with UC San Francisco. Dr. Holmgren, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's let's talk about... Um, e-visits because this became a really it's been a, the, the technology has existed for quite some time but this really became very popular during the pandemic sir and and a lot of people took advantage you're absolutely right you know most patients have been able to message their physician or some member of their care team for over a decade at this point but prior to the pandemic the rate that patients actually used this was really really low it was really classified or clustered in almost entirely amongst younger patients, those with higher socioeconomic status, people who are more likely to be using smartphones, et cetera. Whereas when the pandemic hit, I think there was a broad awareness that this capability existed. And between a desire to not have to go see your physician in person, but still be able to see them and to receive medical care, the use of messaging your physician via the patient portal really exploded. And we saw an almost 150% increase from the pre-pandemic level. Yeah, and I I like it. I think as a patient, I like it because I don't say I have to pick up the phone and call the the doctor or the the physician's assistant. I can just input it. But this probably creates a lot of work administratively. If like if I have a hundred patients and I'm a, prof- a doctor, that's quite a bit of volume in terms of managing email. On top of the administrative and internal emails I probably already get from my physician's practice. That's absolutely correct. And the analogy that I always like to make is imagine if you worked at an hourly job and your boss told you, yeah, you definitely have to answer all of your emails, but you can't do it at work. You have to do that at lunch or in the evening while you're eating dinner or watching TV. These are things that don't count as billable. And that's essentially what we've asked our physician workforce to do. The majority of physicians in the United States get paid on a fee for service or volume based metric. And these e-visits or these messages are for the most part prior to the pandemic, not reimbursable. So we've really put a huge burden on our already strained physician workforce to do a bunch of this messaging, almost all of which occurs in this after hours, outside of hours and uncompensated way, which is really a lot of additional stress to a group of clinicians who were already dealing with the impact of the pandemic and other demands on their time. You know, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about the message I just sent my physician yesterday. And now I'm actually starting to feel bad that I I sent him a physician, which was a, a, a important from my perspective. Uh, uh, Dr. Holmgren, there was a movement afoot to begin to charge uh, for these patient messages or e-visits. How how pronounced is that? Is it across all the systems in the United States, or are we, are we just starting to see that begin the rollout? Yeah, I think, you know, right now, unfortunately, there's very little data published out there about nationally how prominent this is. What we can say is a number of large, prominent healthcare systems, including UCSF Health, Michigan Medicine, Johns Hopkins, the Cleveland Clinic, have all started these types of programs 
you know, really hoping to give their physician workforce, their clinician workforce, some ability to receive compensation for the sort of asynchronous messaging work that they do, because there's a growing recognition that this is care delivery. And if you are writing a prescription or giving medical advice in the form of written emails rather than, you know, verbally face to face, there's really not that much difference there. And so the hope is that, you know, I think you know, patients really value this. I think a lot of physicians really value this because if they can deliver the care that a patient needs in a faster, more convenient format, that's a win-win for everybody. The only problem is, you know, what happens when this is uncompensated and it all sort of spills over into your personal time and there's sort of a never-ending demand for sort of clinical advice from the clinicians. Yeah, it's really it's really about a balancing act. Dr. Holmgren, I need to take a very, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Billing for e-visits and does insurance cover it? You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Well, Dr. Holmgren, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Of course. Yeah, this is a, absolutely a fascinating topic because, again, I, as we were talking in the green room, you know, I just feel now I feel like I, I should be judicious with how I ask questions. Uh, doesn't for these e-visits would would insurance cover like if I had Blue Cross Blue Shield or one of United would they cover this correspondence that I'm having with my clinician or a physician's assistant? So far, the vast majority of private payers that I've seen have been covering these types of e-visits, and I can definitely tell you that Medicare, as long as you have traditional Medicare from the federal government, as well as most state Medicaid agencies, also cover them. So depending on your insurance coverage, you may face some sort of copay. It'll probably not be more than your traditional office copay, or if you have traditional Medicare, unless you're in the highest cost sharing of Medicare Part B, you'll face $0 copays. And at least here in California, our state Medicaid copay is $0. So patients with many of these insurance coverages will face very low or nominal copays, and, and most of them will be covered. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, uh, my follow-up question to this is, it would seem to me in today's environment with limited resources, technology and you, you know, whether you call it Zoom or face-to-face or telehealth, that seems to be the wave of the future unless you have a major medical malady. Uh, but it seems like this is really just to balance out the resources. Is the future still telehealth for, for all Americans? Is that a way to get to better healthcare access, but also lower, reduce the costs overall? Yeah, I think telehealth and technology holds a lot of promise still for improving the American healthcare system, both synchronous telemedicine, so sort of face-to-face visits with your physician over Zoom, as well as this asynchronous messaging. I think the challenge that patients, physicians, and health systems face is how do we sort everyone into the correct modality of care when as a patient, it's really hard to know, you know, even before the world of telehealth, if you're not feeling well, do you need to go make an appointment with your physician in two weeks? Should you go to urgent care tomorrow or should you go to the ER tonight? These are really hard questions to answer for patients without medical training. And so trying to find some method to say, okay, for these types of situations, if you are an established patient, with a condition that you've already had, you can use messaging in order to change your prescriptions or ask your physician a question. If you're an established patient who has a new problem, maybe that's a telehealth or a video encounter. Whereas if you're a new patient and you have an entirely new problem, maybe that's something that needs a physical exam and you need to come into the office. I think trying to build these types of rules about figuring out what is the best way to receive care for each patient with each different clinical presentation is going to be a big challenge, but hopefully that way we can sort of build a more efficient and more effective healthcare system that hopefully also reduces costs. And it sounds like, look, um, I come from the retirement industry and, you know, the 401k really is you have to be kind of your own or hire somebody to be an advocate for you for your specific retirement. I feel like you've got to be an advocate for yourself when it comes to your healthcare. You've got to be a better consumer, but that takes education, sir, right? I mean, there there's a level of, you know, if I have a rash on my, on my arm, how, how do I get that diagnosed? Do I take a picture and send it to the doctor? Is it something that maybe it's a communi- uh, communicative disease and I need to actually go in to see the doctor, needs to be tested, it's an allergy. I think there's a lot of education that probably needs to happen for the general population, all of us, to be, to be better, to try to figure out where, where we're going to go to get care. I completely agree. And that's why I think, you know, we can't ask patients to bear the responsibility for deciding what type of care they need. I think this is something that health systems need to lay out clear guidelines for patients and how to manage their expectations. As in, here's how quickly you should expect to receive a response from your physician if you send them a message. And here are the types of things that messages are often able to completely resolve compared with these other types of clinical presentations or ways you may not be feeling well that you might want to schedule a visit for. So I think the onus is really on the health systems and sort of the national health system to say, here's how we're going to try to set up broad guidelines for what type of care modality fits best for different scenarios. Well, certainly, I, I you know, technology, sometimes we have to catch up to where the technology is. It seems like this is yet another example where the technology is ahead and we have to kind of build the administrative aspect of this to and the infrastructure to support it. Dr. Holmgren, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you so much. This was great. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition 
of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives? Check out our latest content? Well, start with our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRN Weekly. Jane King will be joining us to break down the markets, and then we'll be taking a look back at some of our best segments of the week. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. And don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.